Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast's Game Preview. I am your host, Kevin Knight, with my co-host, Alan Sterk, with the proper Twitter handle on his nameplate now, just at Alan Sterk. The underscore has officially uh, gone. Alan, how are you doing today? Very well. I'm eagerly anticipating this matchup. Uh, I know it's not ideal going against the Super Bowl champions. Well-rested as well. Angry. But they look vulnerable, and say what you want about the Saints game. There's a lot of encouraging takeaways from that. So I think the doom and gloom outlook is – I don't think it's right. I I think there's a lot to look forward to in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that uh, for the first three quarters, the Falcons were a lot of fun. Unfortunately, the fourth quarter went uh, very stereotypically for this team. Uh, but you guys have heard us talk about that. This is where we officially transition to the new yes. week. So there's no, you know, it's all positivity from here on out. But uh, the Falcons did play a much better game than I think most expected. I believe DVOA has them 10th or something like that overall, which considering they were 32nd last year, uh, basically all year, you know, it, it, that's a pretty good <laughs> that start. That is hilarious. That's yeah. a pretty good a start. A seven-win team was 32nd DVOA. That just, yep. What a weird year. Yeah, very... Uh, eventful season for the Falcons certainly um yeah well let's get right to it we'll start with the injury report the Falcons once again have a pretty quiet injury report this week I believe it's just Damian Williams that there's concern potentially about I think he's been limited uh both Wednesday and Thursday uh but I think that the Falcons are otherwise pretty clean in that regard, which we gotta we gotta enjoy that for as long as we can uh because you never know when the injury bug will strike the Falcons got it a bit in camp with the defensive Mm -hmm. line injuries. And that certainly played a part in their, you know, struggle to close out against the saints last week. But, um, so far so good there. Do you, do you have any concern for William's status? I think he did actually come back into the game on Sunday for a few plays, but I did wonder how much it'll affect Tyler Algier. If he's going to make his debut, it was a little disappointing not to see him out there, but I understood Arthur Smith's reasoning behind it. Uh, just this point, you know, how are they going to utilize these running backs? Because Avery Williams, I don't know if he's this year's Felipe Franks, but they seem to want to do some interesting things with him, whether it's putting him in motion, maybe run a jet sweep, who knows. But it seems like they got some sort of plan as like a gadget-type player for Avery Williams. But you know, I do hope Algier, regardless, gets on the field. Uh, but, yeah, we should definitely be grateful for the fact that Falcons are in relatively good shape. I know a few players have to come off IR, most notably Isaiah Oliver, but when the time comes, Time will come and the Falcons will benefit from that because I do think nickel corner is a bit of a concern at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Then and we'll get to that because the Falcons actually rotated a lot of guys at nickel corner throughout the game. Um, mm-hmm. so that'll definitely be something we cover. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think that we will probably see Algier activated going forward. Um, I, I do think against the Saints, the game plan went a lot more run heavy than they were expecting it to go. Uh, mm-hmm. That was probably like literally their best case scenario. Like we're going to put up 200 rushing yards on the Saints. Like I don't think a team has done that in recent memory. They, had, they hadn't allowed a 100 yard rusher in like 20 games prior to this. So um, I think the Falcons were probably expecting to have to throw mm-hmm. more. So they activated another receiver, you know, with Jared Bernhardt. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely a bit of a surprise that they ended up uh, with over 30 carries in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Avery Williams. I didn't, I couldn't say it. The team actually like asked me not to talk about it too much, but they, they were mm. deploying him a lot as a slot receiver in camp. Uh, so that was one of the wrinkles that I, I wasn't, wasn't at Liberty to share, but uh, mm. that's part of the reason I was so confident he was going to make the team. And it's like, they, they oh, have a plan for this guy. Like they're going to use him all over mm-hmm. And Honestly, when he did have to carry the ball, like he, he got like four or five yards. I mean, it wasn't mm. bad either, but so, so when you saw motioning, you're just like, oh, I kind of expected this. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, no, okay. I, I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, I tweeted yeah. out once about it, and they were like, you know, could you like please not tweet about that again? Like, yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. you you have one of seven reporters. So yep. Knew this information. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. uh, yeah, they they really like him. I I think he's very looked very good as a receiver. Obviously, after mm-hmm. the catch, dangerous. So, good news there. Uh, the Rams, unfortunately, not as healthy uh, going into this game. Uh, center Brian Allen was a D we don't have the Rams Thursday practice report yet. I'll keep updating their ESPN beat writers feed to see if we get anything else, but, uh, their DNPs were center Brian Allen, who I believe left, uh, last week's game and had to be replaced. Uh, Van Jefferson, the wide receiver who was out for week one, um, uh, left tackle Joe Noteboom, uh, who is their starting left tackle after, uh, after they let, well, I, they didn't let him walk. Andrew Whitworth retired. Um, and then the other ones, uh, is actually long snapper, Matt or Zek. Uh, so you never want to see your long snapper, uh, missing time. And then, uh, outside linebacker Leonard Floyd, uh, was limited. So definitely a lot more big names on the Rams list than the Falcons. Yeah. Rams took their beating is against the bills. Most notably the offensive line, Joe Newboom on the receiving end of several, Bob Miller, I don't know what word you want to use, beatings, lashings, but man, yeah. it, it was it was a rough start for him considering he did play well during that playoff run. And I'm sure you know, if you watch the tape, it's like, okay, teams are going to be targeting him now going forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's not what they were hoping for. I mean, Nopum had been their swing tackle for a long time, like you said. Mm-hmm. Actually had to play quite a bit last year, looked really good. I think they were very confident in him being able to step in and replace uh, Andrew Whitworth, they also didn't necessarily have a lot of assets to work with in terms of the draft or free agency because of, True. you know, their team and the way they constructed things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they really were depending on him. The depth, of course, for the Rams has always been a concern as a result of, you know, them being sort of a, a star, star power, top heavy roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're going to be tested early in this one because like, like we just said, uh, Brian Allen, the center could very well miss this one. Uh, and then Note Boom was a DNP on Wednesday. We'll see if that continues over the rest of the week. I, I would probably still expect him to play, but um, going down another tackle would be disastrous. Uh, so that offensive line definitely looks like a, a weak spot. I mean, they did play the Bills, who probably are the best defense in the NFL. Uh, but the Falcons, that's not necessarily slouches either in the pass rushing department now, getting oh, yeah, four sacks. Yeah, yeah, four sacks. I, I, just want, I just want to mention 
Uh, obviously, it's a family-friendly show, so I'll keep the language <laughs> clean. But uh, I want to. There's a Rams podcast out there that is titled "F Them Picks." Like, how is it, like if you're a Rams podcast out there, like you gotta use that slogan to your advantage. So <laughs> yeah. I hope. I don't think SB Nation would approve of it, but if you're a team podcast out there, you're covering the Rams, man. You gotta use that title somehow. Yeah. yeah and if F- you want to make try to make it with a big network, you know, bleep the three letters. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, uh, I enjoy that that slogan. And look, I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to go all in. And they certainly have gone all in and they've seen the the payoff from that. I mean, and Falcons fans, if if you were if we were told, oh, yeah, you need to blow up all of your draft picks and, you know, your salary cap, but you'll win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think Falcons fans would take that without question. Uh, so let's not forget about Les Snead, where he came from. <laughs> yep. Yep, uh, the, the one that got away, Les Snead, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Would it have worked in Atlanta? Who knows? But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see there. But, yeah, moving into the actual game uh, itself here, the Falcons, uh, what did we start with? Did we start the Falcons offense versus the opponent defense last week? I think we did. Yeah. We okay, did. we'll do that again. Um, yeah, so the Falcons on offense last week uh, had a pretty good game, especially on the ground. Um the biggest concern we had going in was the offensive line. The offensive line actually performed very well. Uh, the Falcons allowed just one quarterback hit, I believe just two total pressures on Marcus Mariota, uh, and paved the way for one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL in week one, which is shocking that it's the Falcons, you know, first of all, but doubly shocking because the New Orleans Saints last year were the NFL's number one rush defense in yards per carry, allowing like 35 Per, per carry Falcons put up over five yards per carry against new Orleans. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Falcons offenses ability to run the ball against the Rams? Do you think it will be as big of a part of the game plan as it was against new Orleans? I think what was most significant about the points is that there were any like 40 yard runs. It was all consistent yardage, yeah. six yard runs, eight yard runs. I know Mariota, you could say, all right, because he ran for 72 yards, maybe it's a little bit inflated, but it wasn't like, because you see sometimes the stats holes can be inflated if there's like a 60-yard run, but then mostly like two, three-yard runs. Like, no, this was really sustainable yardage. So and that's what really impressed me. And boy, Cordell Patterson just running with sheer violence. Like, there were like two or three runs where Tyron Matthew, who's no slouch, yeah, he's getting a little older, but like he went flying. Like, yeah, they just the, the amount of, we know Cordell Patterson could run through contact. And I think he averaged like, a little over three yards per carry after contact last year. I remember that stat from PFF pretty vividly. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he just brings such a physical element, and yeah. I know we're gonna have to monitor, we're gonna have to see how they monitor the carries later in the year. But I think this is the type of game where Cordell Patterson needs to get at least twenty touches. Not saying carries necessarily, although yeah, that yeah. would be helpful because I think if he gets twenty carries, that means the Falcons are in position to win. But I just think the game plan has to he needs to be the focal point just because he is such a difference maker with the ball in his hands. And I do think this Rams defense is a bit light up front. Yeah. Uh Bobby Wagner seems to be aging. They don't have much on the edge. Uh the linebacker play has always been a question mark with them, even before they got Bobby Wagner. So uh, I want to see him try to replicate this. Uh if they could do it against the Saints, why can't they do it with the Rams? It's just a matter of kind of keeping the maintain the pace of the game where it's just like, all right. I'm not saying they have to control the clock and uh, play, you know, have the ball for 35 minutes, but at least be within striking distance because I think it, that's the best way the Falcons are going to win because someone saw last week, if they get in third and long situations, it could go rough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Rams, let's see, uh, they, after week one, uh, surprisingly, 
they are 19th in rushing yardage allowed. They only allowed 121 yards against the Bills, despite the Bills sort of running away with things at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they did allow, let's see, uh, 4.8 yards per carry, which is tied for 20th. So um, that's definitely higher. Uh, the Falcons, interestingly, the worst in the league with 7.9 yards per carry allowed, but we all know that's because of like three or four Taysom Hill runs. Uh, they actually, yeah, they actually kept Kamara in check pretty much the whole game, which is, you know, fortunately the more important aspect of that. But, uh, it took them, you know, what, like six attempts by Taysom Hill until they finally tackled him for less than five yards. So, you know, they did learn that was at least a positive there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Flipping that over to the the offensive line's ability to pass protect. Uh, obviously, the Rams star-studded up front in terms of their pass rushers. Aaron Donald, just absolutely amazing. Uh, Leonard Floyd, very good as well. Uh, the They did lose Von Miller. The depth is not necessarily there like it's been in the past. Uh, what do you think about the offensive line's ability to keep Mariota uh, and the passing game on, on schedule uh, in this one? Well, I'm just curious how they're going to, like, what type of protections they're going to use against Aaron Donald. Because as good as Chris Lindstrom is, and we know Chris Lindstrom could hold against the best, it's obviously you don't want to keep him on island for too long. But it just seems like the Rams are very top-heavy. Like, besides Donald and maybe Greg Gaines, like, no one really made a noble impact in that Bills game. Because, you know, everyone watched that game. It was the first game of the season. And just look at the Rams' defensive line. It's just, like, unless it was Aaron Donald just wrecking a play or Raheem Morris, because as we know Raheem Morris, he's very aggressive as a play caller. Plus their dials and blitzes, like they really couldn't touch Josh Allen. So I'm fairly confident the Falcons offensive line. Now I just think we have to look at schematically, like how are they going to operate? Because I think one of the biggest stats from last week, shout out to Mike Renner for this one, was Falcons ran, uh, they used play action 18 out of the 37 dropbacks. So pretty much at 50% rate, which is what you want to see. Cause I think you want to put Mariota in those high percentage situations. And I think, to counter Dennis Allen, it was one of the best strategies they could have used. Now, yeah. are they going to do it again this week? Uh, I think that it's going to be something similar. So I'm just wondering with the offensive line, when it, if, if they get forced into a pure drop-back game, how they're going to hold up? Because I do think play action, you know, definitely get Mariota on the on the loose, you know, using those naked bootlegs did help him. But I'm still fairly confident in this offensive line. I think just the Rams front, they're very top. If you, you stop Donald, I think you have a good chance of stopping them. Obviously, yeah, total order. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're probably going to have to, you know, at least double Aaron Donald and just try to bootleg, you know, Mariota away from where he is and just keep him away from from Aaron Donald um, as much as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. And having a quarterback like Mariota or or Ritter who is going to neutralize Aaron Donald a little bit. Obviously, you can't hope to stop Aaron Donald. You can only contain him. Um, but. The, that ability to move the pocket, we know Mariota's really good at throwing on the run. He's going to be able to get away from Donald better than Matt Ryan could. Uh, that's why whenever we played the Rams with Matt Ryan, it was just like, Jesus, we, we just got to pray for Matt Ryan's safety yeah. because... Do you remember the first... I want to say the first half of that Rams... Of course you remember because there's a playoff game, but Falcons-Rams... Yeah. I think Donald had like 10 hurries, 4 hits, and a sack because I think he was going against Wes Schweitzer and... Yeah. Uh, who's the other guard? Because Lovitre was out for the year. That's not um, his 2017 team. Was it still was Chester? Say, or was no, it... Chester retired. Yeah. It was Wes Schweitzer. It wasn't Brandon Fusk. Was there. I was going to say Garrett Reynolds. Absolutely not. No. Uh, was it like... Mike Person, maybe? I think it had I think to be it Mike was Person. Person. 
Uh, it was somebody. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It was another guard because I know Schweitzer had to go to the left side and then someone had to play right guard because Alex Mack was still center. But I just remember that playoff game. Like Aaron Donald at one point was getting every sort of drop back. He was he was in the backfield. Like it was scary. It's a point where Steve Sarkeesian's like, all right, we're just going to just dial up a couple play action, throw a quick couple slants, then get the screen game going. And then the second half, Falcons thankfully prevailed. But I just remember those games. It's like, man, like they can't even block. Like I know Aaron yeah. Donald, he takes over games, but he's literally in the backfield every play. Yeah. So hopefully that is the case where Falcons have a very good right guard. And I feel like the coaching staff is say what you want, but the coach staff, I do think they could structure a game plan where it's just like, okay, we could prevent the best player, I think, in the league from just completely wrecking this game. Yeah. And it certainly helps that your offensive line maybe can stand up to some of that stuff. You know, uh, not a single player on the Falcons offensive line finished with the below average grade, according to PFF. And, you know, we don't necessarily take these grades as gospel here at the Falcoholic, but uh, Jake Matthews had a 67, which is a little bit above average. Uh, Elijah Wilkinson, left guard, biggest biggest pain point potentially, uh, 62.6, which is about average. So, hey, big improvement from uh, Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> Drew Dahlman. Sometimes you, sometimes you just got to be average. Yep, yep. Drew Dahlman also about the same, 61.3, just average. Chris Lindstrom, of course, uh, 79.4, elite uh, as, as he is. And then McGarry, 68.2, uh, the second highest on the on the team. So we saw good Caleb McGarry. Uh, hopefully he can prove that he's a, a more consistent player this year uh, because he could earn himself a long-term deal in Atlanta or elsewhere if he shows that he can actually be a consistent right tackle starter. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this is his, con- takes, his contract year. So It only takes one season. We saw Sam yeah. Baker do it. It didn't oh, yeah. well for Sam Baker, but you literally turned one good year into a, a big payday. And, yeah. Maybe at the time that it was because he played left tackle. I feel like now in this day and age, right tackles are fairly appreciated. So, yeah, because you know we see edge rushers lining up on the left side, at least the star one. Oh yeah, no right tackle. It's getting paid yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, you know, and the Falcons will have money, so they they could mm-hmm. offer it to McGarry if he, if he proves himself. So, five years in the making, the Falcons will have money. Yes, yes, it's been a long road, but you know, next season, guys, we'll have stuff to talk about next season. The free agency will actually be exciting for a change. Um, all right, last piece of the puzzle here: the 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 passing attack versus the Rams secondary. Once sort of a legendary unit, uh, really struggled against the Bills last week. Might just be a sort of flash in the pan of them going up against you know a really talented offense. But uh, Jalen Ramsey had a really hard time. Uh, Troy Hill, their number two corner, did not. He had a a, a good game, uh, really good game. And then David Long Jr., their other, their, like their third cornerback, um, didn't have a great game either. Uh, they still have some really good safeties with Taylor Rapp and, and I think it's Nick Scott is the other yeah, one. Nick Scott, Nick Scott was like the unsung hero of that yeah. Super Bowl run last year. And I know, look, he got stiff armed by Josh Allen. Look, Josh Allen's going to put a lot of people on highlight reels. But I think Nick Scott fought like two forced fumbles last year, uh, last week. So to, to me, he's always been steady and he's just someone, he like literally was a special teams ace and now is just a starter. So goes to the Rams for finding a gem like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah. And they have to, you know, that's sort of what you have yeah. to do when you, when you're going F them picks, right? So you, you mm-hmm. got to be able to find diamonds in the rough, which they have um, with Nick Scott. But how do you feel about the Falcons weapons? Uh, Kyle Pitts, didn't really take off last week. He did get seven targets along with Drake London, who did take off, uh, also getting seven targets. They didn't really involve Brian Edwards, which was surprising to me, uh, but they've still got, you know, Edwards and Alameda Zacchaeus and 
you know, Anthony Ferkser's back on the roster officially. Uh, so how do you see the Falcons attacking Hodge made the Rams? Some plays. And, yeah, yeah, Hodge. Yeah, Hodge yeah. was actually their number three guy, it seemed yeah. like. So, yeah, what do you think about the Falcons' ability to possibly take advantage of a Rams cornerback group that maybe is underperforming a little bit? Or do you think this is going to be a really tough game through the air? I uh, just, man, like we've seen Raheem Morris' defenses. And I don't think there's much of like a familiarity thing because the Rams, all, I mean, the Falcons' offense has changed rapidly since Morris was the interim coach. Like besides Lindstrom, Gary Matthews and Zacchaeus, I don't think any Falcons current star was on that team in 2020 when Morris was its interim coach. So I don't think there's going to be much of a familiarity factor. But I just think, you know, from what we've seen with Raheem Morris' defenses, they like to play a lot more zone than men. And uh, that could be towards benefit. But then again, you know, Rams have some ball hawks and they have some savvy players. So uh, it's going to get to a point where how is Mario going to do as a drop back pass? Because you go going to rely on play action for so long. Yeah, so that's where you know I want to see because I think that they're gonna make it a point emphasis to get the pits more high percentage looks because last week was just not good enough. But uh, maybe using him in London as like a, in a bunch formation we work because I think it did work. Like you saw a couple of those yeah, high yeah. low concepts, but London was like the benefactor for that. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one that called the passes while Pitts was taking the top off the defense. So I wonder if could those roles reverse because I just think in this type of game you really want to see Pitts five, six catches, make a couple of 20-yard plays because the Falcons are going to score some points in this one. And uh, who knows if they're going to be able to you know, force those turnovers and put themselves in a good field position. To me, they're going to have to put some 70-yard drives together. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of Pitts not getting as many targets was the Falcons were up big in the second half. True. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that seems to be the kiss of death, unfortunately. But uh, they, uh, they, they didn't necessarily need to attack deep, and we know that's been Pitts' specialty thus far. I think... You have to be able to get him involved underneath and on intermediate stuff too. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. too good not to. But the Saints clearly basically made Pitts their their focus on defense. I mean, that's what most teams will do. The Falcons, part of the Falcons' whole strategy this offseason was we have to get somebody else in the passing game, other than Cordell Patterson, to be, if they're going to focus all their attention on Pitts, that we have someone else that's going to beat them. And that someone appears to be Drake London. That's what he was drafted for. Uh, and so far, the returns have been good. Uh, so, you know, it may just be a case of some weeks it'll be Pitts getting it, and some weeks it'll be London getting it um, in terms of the production. But I know people who drafted Pitts in fantasy are probably going to be upset by that prospect. But um, Pitts, I think, eventually will get to that, like, Julio Jones, you know, Stefan Diggs level where it's like you just get you just get yours every game no matter who. You can't scheme them out. Yeah, but yeah. at this point, he's like a second-year tight end. I mean, he's had the best rookie season for a tight end, not named Mike Ditka ever last year. So let's like have a little bit of patience. You know, tight ends very rarely even do what he did last year. I think yeah. the expectations for Pitts are just so out of whack compared to any other tight end. It's just like people complaining about like, oh, he had seven targets. What the hell, you know? <laughs> I mean, you watch his highlight reel, it's just like they expect him to be the best tight end in the league, just the way he moves after the catch, you know, catch race. Like, it's just... It's extraordinary. Uh, I think maybe try to get on a couple of screens because, look, I think the Falcons, they're going to have to work a little bit more short game. I think when you play the Rams, that's just how it is with Aaron yeah. Johnson. You're going to have to get the ball very quickly. So maybe they could devise a few things there just you know, try to get them in space because that's what it's ultimately going to be. Now, I just wonder because Jalen Ramsey has started to cover slot receivers in the past. Like, he will move inside. So I do wonder if we'll see a couple of moments where Ramsey goes up against Pitts and, boy, what a heavyweight matchup. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's a must see TV right there. If we get that matchup, um, moving over 
to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the Falcons matching up against the Rams offense, which was sort of stuck in neutral uh, against the Bills. Uh, low scoring game at halftime, 10-10, and the Rams really couldn't get anything going after that either. Uh, Matt Stafford had a pretty poor game by his standards. Uh, they like didn't even target Allen Robinson much to my uh, uh, you know anger because I have him in a bunch of fantasy leagues. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I, my team still won, but yeah, he's, yeah. My, he's my receiver too, but it was rough. Yeah, I still have faith. I'm starting him this week still. So, yeah. um, But, uh, you know, Cooper Cup, obviously great. Uh, they're, they're probably going to be down Van Jefferson again, which is a big loss for them. Um, they do have Tyler Higby at tight end. The Falcons, though, have what should be a good secondary. It was a good secondary for three and a half, you know, quarters against the Saints, and then it all fell apart. Do you think the Falcons have a chance with their secondary matching up against the Rams weapons uh, to to slow down this passing attack like the Bills did? I just wonder if they're really going to replicate what the Bills did because from what I gather from watching the game and then just reading Jordan Roderick's piece after the game, she's one of the best, I think, beat writers out there, uh, talked about how Matthew Stafford really struggled against cover two and like Allen Robinson couldn't get open. Like the Rams, uh, the Bills, they played like just different zone looks like 90% of the time. So I wonder, I know... People were frustrated with the second half coverages and, you know, they played heavy zone, but I just think it, that might be the most beneficial way because you just can't stop Cooper cup. Like it's just the way they utilize him, you know, from preset motion to budge formations. Like there's like Sean McVay is so good at getting Cooper cup matched up against a linebacker or safety. Like, you know, you would think, Oh, maybe shadow with AJ Terrell. I know AJ Terrell has shadowed receivers, but I think it's just so hard to do that with Cooper cup. So I think the Falcons just have to play zone and try to prevent explosive plays. You know, there's times where they got a lot of completions underneath, so be it. But you know, the last thing you don't you don't want to see Cooper Cup or Allen Robinson, you know, getting behind the secondary because I think that's certainly possible. So I think if the secondary is going to be successful, they have to play a lot of zone. Yeah, and we know Dean Pease typically tends to prefer more zone to man. Not like last week they did play a fair amount of man early, transition mm-hmm. to more zone late. Uh, despite what I tweeted, they did not ever actually play prevent defense, guys. They never actually got into that alignment. They did, despite what Dean P said today, they definitely played soft zone in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I mean, maybe that's not how he has it written down on the play sheet, but, like, you know. Not like a Dean Pease Thursday press conference. Yeah, yeah, you know. And so, you know, but all that notwithstanding, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Falcons are going to play a lot of zone. Um, Casey Hayward is one of the best zone corners in the NFL. It makes sense that they would do that. We know AJ Terrell's really good at it as well. But the issue is at the slot corner position, which now we're talking about, uh, we saw D. Alford play it for the most snaps of any player. Mike Four was behind him. Uh, and then we did see just a little bit of Darren Hall late. Um, I thought D. Alford was the best option there. I thought he actually looked good. He had a, an almost sack of Jameis Winston uh, very late in the game, which could have actually really changed things. Uh, he almost got to him. Winston was able to get the ball off with like Alford sort of running into him. And that ended up being like a huge completion that, you know, basically ended the game for the Saints. But his ability to blitz successfully uh, is going to help him get on the field. And I think his coverage was pretty good too. Um, but are, are, so are you still, I think last week you were on the D Alford train as well. Um, I just haven't seen enough of Mike Ford. Like he wasn't, an active liability last week, but I just don't think he offers you the ball hawking and blitzing ability that, that Alford does. It just doesn't look smooth either. Like, yeah. I think he might just be better as outside corner than inside. Yeah. I just yeah. need, you, you need 
like the fluidity just it's just not there but like i just he always looks a bit sluggish and just the rams have those shifty receivers and almost know the cooper cup so I, I could see that being a problem if he's obviously if he's matched up against them i just think the alfred's outperforming them, but i do want to see more darren hall just because you know, i do think we saw enough flashes last year then this season where it's just like okay he deserves another chance you know at least to prove himself yeah. but uh you know you mentioned those blitzes though man. i thought richie grant had a couple of oh yeah mm. like, okay you want to pull him up big gap. He's he's getting after it. So I do yeah. wonder because, as we know with Stafford, not always the most he will take risks and I, he put the ball in harm's way, but he's not always great at reacting to pressure. I do want to see them crank up uh, those those uh, double A gap looks because I just feel like that first half they were getting they really rattled Winston, and it's unfortunate yeah. they didn't maintain it. But I think they have to use that as kind of like a, a platform and you know, try to go forward with it because you know, I just think Richie Grant like. He, he covers space rather quickly. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that was yeah. something that was very impressive in week one, and that's a good transition into the Falcons' pass rush versus the Rams' offensive line, which we know probably going to be down at least their starting center, maybe even Joe Noteboom. Um, and I guess that raises the question of, like, if they're that behind it off at the, on the offensive line, you know, do you need to blitz? Should you, should you send more, keep more guys back in coverage? I think you should ratchet it up. Like, you know, you, maybe you don't have to double – a gap blitz or send, you know, six, seven guys, but maybe send five every player, send, you know, five and six sometimes or whatever. Cause I think you just got to get Stafford off his spot and don't let him get into a rhythm because Stafford is one of those passers that like he gets into a rhythm. He's, he's lethal. Um, but if you can keep him from getting there, he's mistake prone sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in a game where you're you know, big underdog, it's like you have capitalized those opportunities. So, uh, you look at Stafford, like a couple of those interceptions were just, he was way off the mark. And yeah. I just did like, again, just, you have to disrupt them. Like if, whether it's, th- you know, through a nickel blitz or, you know, up the middle, because the Falcons are going to, I thought Mikhail Walker was another player who kind of sh- stood out last week. You yeah. know, once again, just understand where to go with the gap and just hit that open lane, just bam, hit, you know, get right into the quarterback's face. You need that. And just the Rams offensive line, they look really discombobulated. Even though the Bills didn't blitz a lot, just they ran a lot of twists up front, and I just think if the Falcons could, you know, get a little creative there, whether it's with Lorenzo Carter or Gundeji or, uh, and of course, Grady Jarrett. How good was Grady Jarrett? Oh my God! Oof, look, yeah, look, I don't look. Last year, I just thought it was. I didn't say he had a bad year last year by his standards. I thought he was a little quiet last year. Like Grady Jarrett looked back in like 2017, 2020. Like, th- like to me, that was like the peak Grady Jarrett years. 2018, 2019, very good as well. But, and there was one moment where he literally took both guards and just like get out of my way and got that sack. Like Grady Jarrett, I think, I think maybe playing you know across the field from Aaron Donald, maybe it was a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. But man, get him going. Like make him like the focal point when it comes to creating these twists because you know he's going to occupy double teams. Yeah, yeah. Grady Jarrett uh, already has surpassed his sack total from last year. He had one sack last year. He had one and a half against the Saints. Uh, he had three tackles for loss last year. Obviously, very low for him. He's already got one, uh, and he had 12 QB hits last year, and he's already got two. Uh, so in one week, he's had five tackles, one tackle for loss, one and a half sacks, and three pressures. Uh, elite game from Grady Jarrett. Yes. I believe he finished as like an 89.8 uh, PFF grade, uh, sixth of all defensive tackles, better than Aaron Donald, say. notably. Uh, yeah, you know, not that I'm saying say. he is better than Aaron Donald, <laughs> but, you know, in week one, perhaps. Um so obviously Jarrett's going to be a huge part of the Falcons game plan. The Rams are going to game plan to stop him. 
Um, so it's really going to come down to the other guys. Uh, and I think we actually saw some pretty good things from Taquan Graham, who was the big wild card. We talked about it last week. Like, we don't know if them starting Taquan Graham is like, uh oh, like we, this guy was a rotational guy. Is, is he going to be able to do this or is he going to be a pleasant surprise? And I think so far pleasant surprise. Yeah, I would say so. Cause you know, we get into it like the Falcons and tier line. You know, we had fears over and some of those fears did come into fruition, but take one grand to, you know, what he showed in preseason was noble against the Lions and Jets. And you see, I don't know, like he just brings a different edge. That's the thing. Like, I don't know what exactly, like, I'm not sure if he's a three tech or one tech, but he just seems like a hybrid. Yeah. And, and it works for a team that's rebuilding their D line. You know, he could play that role where, whether it's 25 snaps or 35 snaps, he's just someone that uh, is active hands, relentless motor. It's, it's what you want to see. Now it's just a matter of you know, what's around them because it's just there's so much uncertainty. But you know, if, if Graham could be what Marlon Davidson was supposed to be, you have to be encouraged by that. Yeah, absolutely. And PFF was pretty brutal to Anthony Rush, giving him only a thirty-five point nine, which I disagree with. Yikes. I thought Rush was I thought Rush was fine. Um, yeah, I didn't really see anything glaring about what he mm-hmm. did. Um, yeah. So now the other players puzzling. on their head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got a lot more. <laughs> you know, issues with that. Um, yeah, they, they gave him a 49.5 run defense grade and a 52.1 pass rush grade, but a 35 overall grade. This is why I have issues with missing like a penalty or two? Did he have like a penalty he or have two a that penalty? we're missing? I don't think he has. Because usually penalties can ding you up. Yeah, that, I'm, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking this up. Yeah. But no, I'm I thought Rush up. was okay. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm just still someone, well, just the majority at this point, that does think the Falcons should get outside help just on the interior because... Uh, as aggressive as the Rams' offense is, you know we know Sean McVay to be this play calling wizard. He does want to run the ball, and after how abysmal the Rams' running game was last week, I think they're going to make it a point of emphasis. So not only, you know, I do think Allen Robinson will probably get like six to eight targets, but I do think whether it's Henderson or Acres, they're going to want to at least establish some sort of run game. So the yeah. Falcons definitely will be tested. This isn't a game where it's just like okay, the Rams are going to throw a throw, throw. Don't get it twisted. Like Sean McVay definitely wants to run the ball. Yeah. I guess they're saying he did have one penalty. Maybe it w- I think that was that defensive hold that they called on a, on him, which is ve- uh, obviously very unusual to see that actually called. Yeah. Um, because his actual run defense grade was, I mean, 49.5, which isn't great, but his yeah. pass rush was like 52.1 also. Not great. But they his are tackling, critical. On a, yeah. yeah. Their grading does go after penalties. Yeah, yeah. His tackling grade was good, like a 70. I was like, yeah, I thought he had a couple good tackles. But I'm not that concerned about rush. I think he played fine the grade's a little harsh but uh yeah um i mean that's a good pivot also into the falcons ability to stop the run versus the rams uh this is a team that traditionally has tried to get a lot done on the ground they were not successful at all doing so against the bills uh the falcons gave up a lot of yardage to Taysom hill they were pretty good at stopping the actual saints running backs and we know matt stafford is not a runner whatsoever uh, how do you feel about the Falcons? You know, the, the linebackers played great last week. You mentioned Michael Walker. I thought Ray, uh, Rashawn Evans did really well too. Uh, how do you feel about them stopping Darrell Henderson, Cam Akers, anybody else the Rams try to trot out there? I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's just a matter of what the Rams are going to Because I just think they're going to mix up when it comes to maybe they'll use more jet sweeps or maybe run more tosses. Like I just think last week they got so overwhelmed. I'm just, I'm just expecting Sean McVay to make some adjustments and maybe get a little more creative. And that's where you know, we got to see how disciplined this Falcons defense is because you know, I thought they held their own for the most part. Uh, the linebackers, the linebacker, which was a big question mark. Like, I really did not know what to expect. And 
I think that was one of the bigger highlights last week, just to see, you know, they were pretty composed and, you know, they missed too many tackles, which is a big thing. And now just like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just expecting a Rams response because we've seen it so many times, but boy, that running game looked hopeless last weekend. You know, there's a lot of talk about cam makers, you know, not running with urgency, but it's so hard to charge a running back when he literally touches the ball and there's already two defenders in the backfield. Like, that's how I saw him with cam makers last week. I didn't really get why Sean McVay was going after him. But uh, I think, like I said, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I want to ask you, though, because he, he popped up a couple of times. Uh, what would you make of Lorenzo Carr's performance? Like, you know, he seems like someone's going to be playing a lot of snaps. I like Lorenzo Carter a lot. I mean, yeah. I was pretty upset. I did a whole film breakdown that I, I know you were listening to. Uh, and on the first play of, you know, when they when they swapped out their whole reserve line, I feel like that was the perfect time to leave Lorenzo Carter in because they immediately asked Quinton Bell to go drop in coverage and cover a tight end. And it's like, yes. why, why is Lorenzo Carter here if you're not going to freaking use him in coverage? Like, that's his best. He's a legit athlete. Like, he's, le- he's like actually a good player in coverage for an edge rusher, which is very unusual. And he's actually legitimately good there. And then you just take him off the field. But um, yeah, I, I think Carter needs to be continued uh, to be used in a versatile way. I mean, I think he should probably play the most snaps of any edge rusher. I think he'll probably play more off ball looks or, or responsibilities than the other edge rushers just because of his skill set and athleticism. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he'll, he will be a vital part of how they sort of match up against some of these different players, different skill sets. Um, but yeah, his ability to drop back really well is, is going to be valuable. I thought he also had a good game as a pass rusher, you know, solid game as a run defender. So, um, yeah, I, I like him. Do you, do you think Malone's going to be active or is it just Quinn Bell played him in preseason and Quinn Bell's going to get opportunities? I really didn't have much of an issue with Quinton Bell in this game. So I, I'm guessing that it's just like a numbers thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know they will want Malone to get out there as soon as he's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Malone probably offers you more as a, pass rusher but it might just be that uh bell is one of their special teams guys right now and until malone gets that comfort level on on teams uh they're probably gonna keep rolling with quentin bell but i would like to see malone i mean i think we, we all would sort of like to see that because he's the you know the the rookie yeah, high draft, draft pick yeah. so yeah watch, uh, watch his tape he gets to get excited yeah yeah well you know ebba katie had a great game too you know mm-hmm. with his his uh, starting off with a sack, you know, it, it, that's good. Obviously, good sign for his season. Um, it's been a long time since the Falcons, you know, have gotten immediate production out of any of their pass rushers that they've drafted. So, right. <laughs> uh, encouraging to start. Yeah, I just think the Rams' offensive line, going back to matchup, is just there's so much instability there, and they're yeah. I just feel like they're they're moving pieces around. And uh, after, like, of course, you watch the film, and you know, I assume you know, they're going to have to address some of the you know things that didn't necessarily go to playing against Buffalo, but just like the talent was just not there. So that's why it's like, ah, oh, man, the Falcons, you know, say what you want about the talent, but just, you know, they just seem way more unified compared to the Rams solo line. So it's just like, all right, you got to capitalize on that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what personnel groupings are going to be more of than who's going to get the most snaps. I think that's what I'm most curious about because you know, that Saints game, it didn't go the way we thought it was going to be. So it's just like, you know, I think as we see in the coming weeks, what the what's the pace game what's the pace of the game going to be like and what what players like whether they're going to run nickel 60 70 percent of the time because the rams like to run a lot three yard receivers yeah. so that's what i'm wondering like are we going to see a little bit more base or or are we most likely going to see more nickel yeah i'm curious about that as well um you know the rams do have a good tight end in tyler higby but mm-hmm. uh you know 
haven't really thrown to the tight end a ton. Um, is this, is this he could always pop up Higby. Like he, he's yeah. just a, he, he's always on the field. He's a very dependable blocker, but he's just someone. I think he could pop up with like an eight target game. Yeah, he can. Do game. they only have two yeah. tight ends on the roster? Am I reading this right? They do. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like them, that uh, Sean McVay has like seven wide receivers, including former Falcon Brandon Powell. Oh, while man. the Broncos have Broncos activated four tight ends against Seattle. Like it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So including the uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, including including Eric Solbert, who I know I oh, fondly remember. Two Falcons legends in one conversation right there. Brandon Powell and Eric Solbert. So uh he almost had a great catch in that yes. uh, Monday night game, Eric Salbert. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. I I do, you know, wonder how they will attack this Rams offense. I think, I think you try to get pressure with four to five guys, try to limit sending more than that, because I think the Rams game plan is going to be like, we know our offensive line is bad, so we're going to dump it quick. We're going to try to set up screens. We're going to try to do all this stuff. So you'll be better off against that sort of attack if you let your – you know, let give your give your coverage guys give your coverage a couple more guys. Don't necessarily go all out because I don't think you need to send more than five to get pressure on this uh, on Matt Stafford. Um, I think if you do, you're going to have problems. Like if you have to send six guys to get pressure. I mean, in any situation, Falcons or any other team. Like if you have to send six guys to get pressure, you're not going to have a lot of success. But I think four or five guys. You know, we'll see if the Falcons can keep it up this week. Um, but yeah, I mean it. Moving into the final segment here with the keys to the game, I mean, do you, do you think it's more important for the Falcons to put pressure on Stafford or to shut down that run game? Uh, I definitely would say put pressure on Stafford, just get him uncomfortable. And two turnovers could just totally turn the tide of the game. So I just think the Falcons, kind of like last week, just try to force a turnover too. Like I know it's easier said than done, but you really get Stafford rattled. You know, he's someone that will take risks. Like Stafford, just one of those old school gunslingers where it's just like, hey, Cooper Cup is within the vicinity. I'm going to throw to him. Oh, I'm going to try to get Allen Robinson involved. I didn't get Allen Robinson involved enough last week, so now I'm going to try to throw the knee on. That's where hopefully you could capitalize on it. So uh, I'm also, I want to see just the continued progress of the Falcon safeties. I feel like, you know, we saw some encouraging signs uh, last week. I thought Richie Grant probably outplayed John Hawkins, but I didn't think Hawkins was necessarily that big of a liability. I definitely want to. I'm going to try to keep a closer eye on the safety play just because, you know, I think that is a big question mark going into the season. Uh, hopefully, you know, especially with Hawkins' case, he showed last year he could pounce on a few errant throws. So maybe he'll be uh, the beneficiary of like a, a bad Stafford decision. Yeah. I, I thought the safety play was pretty good. I thought late they had the safeties really back off to an extent mm-hmm. that was ridiculous in some cases. Um, and I know that was, you know, the proper positioning for the coverage but i would just say that i disagree with you know that because it's yeah. like they weren't even able to affect these like 20 30 yard completions they were so far back so i also think that that's probably like i know pieces is going to rotate the safeties constantly but i think generally in the deep alignment is where you probably want jalen hawkins uh i think he's got just a little bit more range than richie grant i think richie grant's a little bit more physical so you probably want him closer to the box but i understand the defense is like the whole point of it is to keep teams guessing with what the safeties are going to do and all that but um just seeing richie grant deep like so often i, I think that's probably better suited to jalen hawkins but um, maybe he just needs more reps back there i don't know but uh, yeah. I, I do think long term i don't have any concerns I, I think that they were pretty much where they were supposed to be i thought hawkins had a couple of really good coverage plays too that he shut down um but uh yeah just hoping for a rebound here i mean the falcons huge underdogs this week um are you expecting 
a win, Alan? What is your your score prediction here? Uh I can't predict the win just because I think the Rams have too much star power. Like it's just too many players I think could take over a game. But I definitely think I think this national me in general just saying, oh Rams is a huge prime bounce back spot. I don't know. Like I was thoroughly impressed by how the Falcons played against Saints. I was really blown away for those, as we say, those three cores, unfortunately. So no, I think it's gonna be pretty competitive. Like I, I could see the offense scoring points. I could see them capitalizing on a turnover too. It just comes down to the Rams just having more overall talent. I just yeah. Cooper Cup, you can't really stop him. And I do expect them to find ways to get Allen Robinson the ball and then defensively. Um, I do think Raheem Morris is one of the best defensive coordinators out there, and I can just see him. You know, Mario does tend to struggle against the blitz, and it comes to a point where you can't hide around play action, and I still have some doubts about Mario. I didn't think he played all that great uh, when it came to just as a thrower against the Saints. So I'm going to go Rams 31-23. I think the Falcons will make this a one-possession game and keep it relatively competitive, but Rams just got too much star power. I mean, you don't even you don't even let them cover. You know, you do it the eleven points. I think the line is like uh, plus ten or something. So they're vulnerable. That's the thing, yeah. though. Like the Rams yeah. are kind of beat up, and I do think they're vulnerable. Like, yeah. uh, like we, you know, you you definitely heard about this. Like they have a very top heavy roster, and they do some of those players come up bad games. And some, for instance, Bobby Wagner, he looked a little older than I thought he was going to look. So yeah, yeah, you know, I I I feel like think there's opportunities there for the Falcons to capitalize. It's just you know, Rams are Super Bowl champions for a yeah. reason. Put some respect on the name, you know. You got to put some respect yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm right. not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna predict the Falcons win, um, but mm-hmm. I do think they will play another close game, which I think might be, end up being the story of the season. Like, like we talked about last week, the Falcons may just become the this year's version of the Lions, where it's like everyone loves them and they're really scrappy and they like are playing all these close games, but they just end up losing more of them than they should, which is like the opposite of last year. And then we'll go into next year being like everyone's favorite team. So, <laughs> see, I think you rather you rather want that because if you yeah. look last year, San Francisco, Dallas, New England, it seemed like when they played playoff teams outside of Tampa Bay, it wouldn't even be a game. Like it'd be over by mid third quarter. Like the yeah. games were, let's call it what it is. It was embarrassing. It wasn't borderline embarrassing. Like they were completely they didn't belong in the same field as those teams. Whether it was yeah. New England, Dallas, there's so the fact that already, you know, whatever we'll see the Saints. You know, I think they'll make the playoffs, but you know, time will tell. But like, if they could be competitive in these games like against the Rams and um, trying to think of other opponents, like say the Bengals in the future, or the Ravens, like you know, that's what you want to see. Like, okay, then win till might only be three or four. But, hey, but I got a top five pick out of that, and I think it's at least good. You'll see them against a the top competition rather than you know what was last year, being up on bad quarterbacks and just when it came to playing actual legit teams, they just it was no contest. Yeah, let's yeah, I, let's see them make it a contest against teams that we know are going to be playing in January. Exactly. Yeah, I will go. I guess I'll go thirty-one twenty-seven Rams. Uh, I think the Falcons will actually make the Rams sweat a bit in this one, but uh, I I I'm not bold enough to predict a win. But I guess that would be the Falcons covering because it's like minus ten or plus ten or whatever. So, uh-huh. um, so there there you go for you betting degenerates. You know that that's my advice but don't take our advice about betting on the falcons because we're fans of the team that's 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 a big yeah. no never yeah, never bet I, on teams I, you're a fan of so you got like 40 different podcasts listed to if you want betting advice or you yeah, got articles yeah. to read yeah you yeah. hashtag DraftKings. you know shout out to, to the sponsors hey, absolutely you know. yes, they're, they're, yes. they don't sponsor this show so if you guys DraftKings, you want more shout outs come call me but uh, you know <laughs> but alan i uh, really appreciate your time today another good game preview guys he is alan sterk at alan sterk on the twitter's no underscore, uh, Alan. Anything you're working on you want to let the people know about? 
I just did a roundtable discussion with Will McFadden. We talked about Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts, Raheem Morris. It's weird. I feel like there hasn't been much discussion about Raheem Morris. Now, I, I get it. You know, the team has totally changed since he's been gone, but Raheem Morris was a team for, for a while. So I'm a little shocked there hasn't been much attention. Like, this is like his return to facing the Falcons. But I guess it is what it is. I love me some Raheem Morris. So maybe that's why yeah. I'm curious about it. And so, yeah, we, 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 we did that. Uh, and then I'll probably have an article up early next week because, um, you know, let listeners know I will not be around for these next two weeks. Like I'm gonna be, I have a wedding to go to in Dominican Republic, so I will be missing the Falcons Seahawks. I'm gonna be in big catch up mode when I come back, so uh, you know, I will be gone from the podcast for a few weeks. But come October, you know, we're gonna hit the ground running for real, and uh, I'll be on every week. Perfect stuff. Well, we gave them a taste, and then you're, they're going to have to wait for the full course. When you yeah, get back, look, so, my yeah. cousin decided to get married in September out of my control. Uh, Just you know, how cool as it might have been, yeah. as cool as it might be to like do a podcast on the beach, I'm taking this time to not bring my laptop to an actual wise. vacation. Like, very wise. Yeah. Uh, very good yeah. call there by you. I'm making uh, a conscious decision. Yeah, that's very smart. That's very because if you bring it, you're going to be tempted. And I, I don't want that. You got to enjoy those yeah. vacation vibes. I've, I've been working very hard these last six months. So, so yeah. like, I, yeah. I, I you've did, earned yeah. it. So, you've earned yes. it, guys. Uh, so so thanks, to Alan. We'll, we'll get him back on here as soon as he's back. But guys, I'm mm-hmm. Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, you can check out all my written stuff at thefalcoholic.com. And uh, yeah, our our shows are coming at the, the regular season pace now. So we got today's game preview, which comes out on Thursday. Uh, excuse me, Fridays. We tape on Thursdays. Uh the post-game show will be Sunday, immediately following the game, uh, which will be probably like 7 o'clock-ish because it's a 4 o'clock game. And then uh, Tuesdays, film re- film review. You guys seem to really like that, so I'm excited to keep doing those. Uh, I'll, awesome I'll explain. That, yeah, way. I'll be explaining to Alan, you know, mm-hmm. off-air how to, how to get those clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did figure out how to, how to tame Game Pass by basically bypassing Game Pass altogether. But, uh, you know, that that's an off-air discussion. Um, and then, yeah, we will have our, our Wednesday shows, Wednesday at 8 p.m., guys. Uh, thank you to everyone watching. If you're on the YouTubes, please like and subscribe. If you're on the podcast feeds, leave a review, a uh, five-star review, if, if, if you know, you're so inclined. Uh, we really appreciate that. You know, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Check out the Patreon if you're interested in getting some exclusive perks, including early access to all podcast episodes in a high-quality ad-free format, patreon.com slash Live. Uh, until next time, guys, for myself and for Alan, Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Sunday after the conclusion of Falcons-Rams. Until then, guys, have a great day. Talk to you next time.